Welcome to the I Spy with My MyOI podcast. I am your host, Brittany Murphy. I am a certified oral facial myologist, registered dental hygienist, and lifelong learner. My goal with this podcast is to bring you up-to-date and current literature and expand your knowledge of oral facial myofunctional disorders so that together we can get to the root cause of the problem. You ask, we'll answer, by collaborating with true pioneers and specialties associated with the myo world. Join me on this journey as we dive into the life-altering world of tethered oral tissues and airway space. Let's do this thing. Quick disclaimer, all content expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the speakers and is for informational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace, professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Because every person is so unique, you should always consult with your specialized healthcare professional. Amber Auger is a practicing dental hygienist with a mission to elevate the standard of care to determine the root cause of oral diseases. With over 20 years of experience, Amber specializes in creating practical systems to implement the latest oral science. Amber is the 2019 Sunstar Award of Distinction recipient for her work in public health, a contributor to RDH Magazine, a featured author for Dentistry IQ, editorial director of the RDH Graduate Newsletter, clinical marketing strategist for Endeavor Business Media, and the host of Ask Amber RDH. Amber is actively mentoring and educating fellow dental hygienists in their careers and in personal and career growth through her Thrive in the App on-demand course curriculum and weekly life coaching sessions. Amber is also the owner of the Functional RDH Certification that provides hands-on and classroom lectures to identify the root cause of dental dysbiosis and ways in which to restore whole body health based on the latest oral science. Amber can be reached at amberaugerrdh at gmail.com. Good morning, Amber. Welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you on this morning. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I always like everybody to start off by just sharing a little bit about yourself and how you got into the dental field. Sure. So I have been in the dental field as a dental hygienist for 13 years, but I fell in love with dental hygiene in sixth grade science class. So it was sixth grade science class. We were talking about how teeth were developed. And it was that moment that I knew I wanted to get into the dental field. I wasn't quite sure if it was dental hygiene or dentistry, but Uh, For me, my path, I started with dental um, hygiene, and we had a family friend who was a single mom. My mom was also a single mom, and I watched my mom work three jobs and her mom work one, and there was just a very different, huge difference in lifestyle, where for me in childhood, we really struggled. We rolled quarters for cereal, um, and I saw how this other mom was able to make ends meet much more easily. So my mom was fabulous and um, really made sure that I chose a profession that I loved. And the biggest thing for her was not necessarily finding something with a ton of money, but more of what would I be excited to do every day. And her biggest thing was make sure you go to college because uh, no one in the family had ever gone to college prior to me. So uh, I have absolutely loved this career. And uh, the reason why I kind of diversified outside of clinical hygiene and do what I do now which is international lecturing. I own my own consulting company. I still practice part-time. And then I've built a membership and community called Thrive in the App and a certification called the Functional uh, Dental Hygienist. And the reason I diversified is because I started dental hygiene with carpal tunnel. So my first day, yeah, my first day on the clinic floor, 
after, you know how it is to get into hygiene school. It is such a challenge. There's, you know, hundreds of girls trying to get in or men uh, trying to get into the program. And they picked, I believe my class was 30 of us, uh, 30, maybe 35. We didn't graduate at that number, of course, but the first day on clinical floor, they, the first year instructor looked at my medical history and she was like, you had a cortisone shot. And I said, yeah. And she said, this is your dominant hand. This is your scalar hand. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, why are you here? You're not gonna, you shouldn't do this. And I was like, I was made to do this. And she was like, <laughs> okay, who are you? You know, you're a little feisty, little French Canadian here. Um, so the amazing thing was that same professor who, and hygiene school was a struggle for me. I hated hygiene school. I had undiagnosed learning disabilities that I struggled through. So it was really this passion and this opportunity to help people that kept me going. Mm -hmm. And knowing that we had a family friend again, who had been doing it for years and loved it. And I had shadowed her. I'd worked as a dental assistant through high school. So Mm -hmm. I really knew the, and I was surrounded by amazing hygienists who were practicing at their full scope, who loved it for years and years. And I knew that I could create a, you know, a long-term success and it might look different than a traditional role, uh, but that's why I diversified. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. And I love that you knew so young, you wanted to be a hygienist. I was kind of the same way. Not mine was, mine was random. Like I just loved going to get my teeth cleaned when I was a kid. So like at age seven, I was like, I'm going to be a dental hygienist. I have to stop drinking soda because my, I got cavities in my baby teeth very easily. So I stopped drinking soda that same day. And I literally, like I rarely, rarely ever drink soda now. But everybody's next question is always like, oh my God, you must have loved your dental hygienist as a kid. And to be honest, the dental hygienist that I had, I liked my brothers, but the one I had, she was honestly kind of rude to me. And she also had, I, she had to have been a smoker because she had this wicked cough that she would constantly hack in your face. And then when I went to hygiene school, you know, you see your dental hygienist, I mean, typically as a kid twice a year. And I told her I was going to, you know, the Forsyth program. And she's like, well, you know, you really like need to make sure that you're committed and you study and like, you can't just like go out and party. And I'm like, you see me twice a year. Do I exude party girl? Like I'm a little bit confused here. Like what is going on? So screw you. So every time I went back for my cleaning, I'd be like, yep, got A in this and A in that and A in that. And I love it. And it's fabulous. So I didn't have that experience with my hygienist, but I always loved we had family friends as well that um, were registered dental hygienists. And when I was older and really considering it as a career, I went to study them or, or shadow them. And I just, I just fell in love with it. I mean, I just like to make people smile anyways. So then to be able to also have that as part of your profession is making people happy with their smile. Um, I, I loved dental hygiene and I still miss practicing clinical, clinical hygiene. I always consider going back to my old dental practice, which I loved working at just a day a week, just for fun, just for haha. Sometimes I'm like, Dr. Don, you don't even have to pay me. I just want to come hang out with you guys. <laughs> you should, you should. And there's always so many offices, even if it's one day here or there temping or even one day a month. I mean, my favorite part of the week is when I'm clinical. This week I was uh, Tuesday and Thursday. Sometimes it's two times a week. Sometimes it's one, but that one day refuels and reminds me of like why I'm doing this. And it makes everything else on the corporate side of things and the contracts. And, you know, when you're so many times that hygienists think that this other side is easier and it's not, you're not guaranteed money. It's a constant hustle. You're either on a trip, prepping for a trip, recovering from a trip. Mm -hmm. And 
the clinical portion makes me remember why I started and to see those patients switch with their home care. And, you know, your story is unique where you were, you were high risk as a, uh, a child patient. And you have to wonder what was the root cause of that? Mm -hmm. Because so many parents, and that's why I love the work you do. So many parents are in this exhausted, you know, situation of floss, brush, rinse. My kid's not getting better. They have stainless steel crowns. I'm brushing every night. I don't understand. But Mm -hmm. are we looking if they're mouth breathing? Are we looking if their sleep's recovering? And then what are, what is the pH of the drinks that they're enjoying? Uh, And do they have some sort of xerostomia? Are they on prescription medication? So this is where it gets really fun to be able to take somebody. And I love that you've built this brand where you can go back and be like, look at um, which is funny because at the end of the day, you were never in competition with that provider. You will never be because you're totally different in your approach to not only patient care, but also your values. Mm -hmm. Um, and you would never, I mean, you've never, ever in my, a million years would exude party girl to me, number one. And number two, (laughs) even if my patient did, I might, there's different ways that you can say that without being so offensive. And, Nasty. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. Yeah. I totally agree with that. So tell us a little bit about um, like the backstory of Thrive in the App. How did that come yeah. to be born? Yeah. So I started, uh, how it came to be is I started lecturing in 2017 and um, I've had amazing opportunities. I've been with um, RDH Magazine for uh, seven years and a few months now. And uh, one of the most amazing things about being involved with the corporate side is to have this diversity and to hear what other corporate sponsors are concerned about or what dentists are concerned about when they are looking to hire people. What are the the, the trends in the industry? What are the struggles? Uh, where do we want to go? And what are all the obstacles that are preventing us to get there? And for me, I always love to identify the problem and then provide the solutions. So one huge thing that I was seeing in uh, 2020 was seeing this mass exodus of hygienists. Uh, one in 12 hygienists left the industry during that time. And I started to look at conversations on social media and what was happening. And frankly, these hygienists were jaded. Mm-hmm. They were jaded. They were burnt out. They, but it, and they said they hated dental hygiene, but it wasn't actual, the, actually the clinical work of hygiene. It was all of the things around it. It was the environments. And then as I started to question and follow up on these Facebook forums, a lot of times I'm a silent watcher because once you say something on Facebook, you become a target, uh, which I learned very quickly. Uh, But the interesting thing was it wasn't the actual job. It was the, oh, my boss doesn't respect me. Well, why don't they respect you? Uh, Have you laid down that foundation where there can be open communication? Is there accountability from the leadership's end to the clinician end? Uh, What does, you know, are you getting, well, you know, I don't have new instruments. Have you asked for new instruments? Uh, What's your instrument budget? How do you leverage your production? Uh, Did you ever think about the dentist? The dentist, especially now, if they're paying you $75 an hour, you have to produce three times that. Otherwise, they're losing money on you. So how do we get those skills? And the biggest thing for me with uh, the Thrive in the Op is I had worked for offices where I would drive to and from work crying. 
Mm-hmm. And I stayed and I stayed because I thought I was making the most I could. I felt like no other office would pay me what I was making. I stayed because I loved my patients. I felt committed to them, but I could feel myself in an environment lowering my standards because the other hygienists had lower standards. Mm-hmm. And I was initially known as the mean hygienist who would, you know, say, Hey, I think this is perio. And the other hygienist would say, that's a one millimeter pocket. And then I would look at the film and be like, this is vertical bone loss. It's not one millimeter. That's a six. Right. So, And I was the youngest in the office. I wasn't being heard. So when I transitioned, I transitioned to a different practice. And I'm going to tell you this is going to feel like a little bit of a tangent, but I'm telling you this because when I say this story, most hygienists can resonate with it. And I transferred from one office to another office. The next office promised me the world. And I actually was able to get more involved with airway things. That's when we first went to Dr. Ben's course. I felt like I was in a really good environment. The other hygienist uh, was my uh, really good friend, um, Sarah, who was a new grad at the time. She struggled initially with her time management, and I would go in and help her flip her room, and I would surprise her. She'd be walking out a patient, uh, chatting with the front, you know, uh, front business team, and I would literally be like wiping down the room and sterilizing, and then she'd come back, and it was like she'd call me her Mary maid, and we (laughs) had a great time. However, there was some really shady things happening in the office, really shady things with insurance, really shady things with some personal things after hours with the doctor in my room. I'll leave it there. And I decided to uh, move on. And I was looking at, and, and during that time, I was accused of doing things in the office that I didn't do. So uh, I was forced to sign papers and on the paper, I'd be like, I did not do any of this. This is not legally binding. I don't agree to this. Like I'm not admitting to this. It was, it got really nasty. Wow. And I lost all of my clinical confidence. Because mm-hmm. I had been in a practice for five years while I was getting my master's, went to a new office, and now I'm transferring to another office in a short period of time. And in hygiene school, I learned that is terrible. You look like you're not a committed employee. It's a red flag for employers. And I felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to find my dental home. And this was all around uh, 2017, 2018 time. And uh, the amazing thing was, is I turned to temping. And I wrote down a list of everything that I wanted in an employer. Uh, And the biggest thing for me is I wanted to feel respect. I wanted to feel like I had clinical autonomy and I wanted to be compensated well. I wanted to be maybe even on a commission structure. Mm -hmm. And I tempted until a doctor found me and said, hey, we want you to come onto our team and we want you to be the hygiene fixer. We've Mm -hmm. got some standards that need to be improved. And I've been with that practice since uh, November of 2019. But I had to learn those clinical skills to not settle. And I had to let good go of the good, and this is okay, but things that weren't sparking joy, which honestly was really scary because mm-hmm. when clinical income, that is, was in that, at that time, my bread and butter and this speaking stuff and the consulting stuff was at that moment, a hobby. It was a big dream for me to build, but there was no financial security in that. And I own my own home. I'm, uh, you know, a single dog mom with a dog who's got a bougie lifestyle. So, you know, I had to, I had to, to get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to this time in COVID when I'm seeing all of these hygienists leaving, Mm -hmm. that's when I was like, it's not the hygiene that's the problem. They don't have the business skills. They don't have the clinical skills to, that they need to get these patients healthier. And they're feeling like they're in this floss, brush, rinse cycle, and the patients aren't getting healthier. They're losing trust with their patients. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is why they're burned out. 
And uh, that's how Thrive and the Op got born. So we're a membership community. It's on-demand courses, so you can pick and choose where you want to start. It's a lifetime membership uh, and weekly coaching. And the most amazing thing and the, the greatest thing for my career, uh, I've done some really great things with mission trips, really great, um, you know, big CE on some mega stages. Uh, this past year, I was at the uh, RDH Under One Roof, the mega stage. I almost uh, died doing that. I had to... <laughs> <laughs> I had like a panic attack five minutes before going on. I was like, I can't do it. Have somebody else go. And they're like, everybody's like, we've never seen you like this. And I was like, I can't, I can't do it. Uh, and then I, you know, uh, put my bootstraps on and did it. Yep. But of all of the career things, the most uh, rewarding thing that I've done is created Thrive. And it was so uncomfortable for me to do. I had imposter syndrome. I struggled with publishing it. And now we have 300 members in Thrive in the app. And the biggest gift is jumping on weekly and listening to how they transform their practice, how they're getting patients healthier, the joy that they exude, the raises they're getting without asking. But the biggest thing is they're happier and healthier providers, which mm-hmm. is then being transferred on to so many patients every year and every day. So that's beautiful. Such a beautiful story. And so many, you know, the ripple effect of all the lives that you're touching through helping these hygienists who are touching a surmountable amount of lives. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm sure one of the things that you probably talk about in Thrive in the App is time management because I feel mm-hmm. like I hear this so much from hygienists, you know, for instance, like if I went to an office and did a lunch and learn and I'm like, okay, we're going to incorporate this airway screener and they're like another thing, like I can't possibly do something else during this however long 60 minute, you know, uh, profi appointment. Yeah. I mean, that's the struggle. And honestly, that's what's preventing our industry from moving forward. Our standard of care is to not get sued and not kill the patient. In my opinion, (laughs) it's not. And that's why I created the functional certification. In my opinion, it's not it's not what's our our old school systems are not meeting the level of disease burden and the science. We're like 20 years behind the science. And what happens is we get down to two things. We get number one, it's time. And number one, it's cost. How much is it going to cost the office? How much is it going to cost the patients? Can we do this? We have to get uncomfortable and we have to work as a team to figure out what time management looks like for the office. Mm -hmm. If I could give you three quick tips, the first is time management is typically a scheduling error. So if you have a doctor doing a primary procedure of an implant, veneers, they should not have to get up and do an exam. Your doctors are not trying to make you behind. They're just as frustrated that they're behind waiting for you as you are with them. Right. So it's a scheduling thing. And and how do you outline your schedule? It's also schedule diversity. So if you have a full day of profies, that's not going to be helpful for the practice. If you have a full day of new patients, that's also not going to be helpful for the practice because you're either going to be running behind because you're doing all these FMXs. You need to have a schedule that is fluid where the production is more sound and it's more predictable. It's going to be better for everybody. And then the third is how you're breaking down that appointment time. So what are your non-negotiables in the appointment? Are you actually providing more than a profi visit and not billing out for it? If you're scaling for more than 20 minutes, it's not a profi. And there's, you know, this is where coding comes in. And we cover all of that in Thrive. Uh, so we have guest speakers who are coding experts who come in. Last night, we just had Kathy Forbes. Uh, and we review what to bill when. Um, and we create really high producers. But it's never because we're making up disease or selling something that patient does doesn't need. I think most consultants are also going to be quick to push fluoride treatments on everybody and say the easiest thing to do is a fluoride varnish. And 
fluoride varnish does not fix an airway issue. Mm -hmm. And that's my biggest thing now that, and I, I'm not saying that I'm an airway expert by any means. um, But what I am saying is I've done some advanced courses. I've been mentored by amazing professionals uh, like Dr. Ben, uh, Lauren Gates, um, even uh, Dr. Whit Wilkerson. And now that I know what I know, I can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not normalizing when a patient comes in and has wear on their teeth and saying, mm, you simply need a night guard. I'm looking if there's a scallop tongue and saying, all right, let's do a quick mal and patty score right after my oral cancer screening. Mm-hmm. You have a mal and patty score of a four. Let's mm-hmm. see if there's other areas of evidence of disease in your mouth. And here's a, you know, I would recommend a sleep test at home, or I'd recommend that you bring this up with your PCP and go to and see an ENT um, and maybe do a sleep test. But I need you to, to help to, we need to partner on this and figure this out because if you're mouth breathing, you're going to have a greater risk of disease, et cetera. Now, what, what's the difference between your Thrive and the, because the Thrive and the Op is a certification mm-hmm. as well, correct? Yes. The Thrive and the Op um, is for CE. So okay. you can get um, CE with Thrive, which um, is great. And then the certification is different okay. uh, for functional. So the functional hygiene certification is a trademarked um, uh certification. And what we do is we do the hands-on. So we have uh, right now we're working on a big project where you're going to be able to come and do hands-on lectures as well as on demand, but it's, it's, you're choosing your certification, which is really fun. So it's similar to a hygiene degree where it's a higher advanced certification where you're going to learn and there's going to be certain things that are non-negotiable. So you have to learn salivary testing. You have to learn subdigital decontamination but it's also not going to be with just one thing because we want you to have your eyes open to, okay, here are the benefits of erythritol. Here's the benefits of a glycine powder. Here's what it looks like to detoxify subgingival with an air polisher versus here's a gel. Here's a rinse because we need to make evidence-based decisions as hygienists. And the funnest thing is to be able to say, okay, you have AA bacteria. I know a laser is going to be best for that. So let's go here. This way you're not guessing. And that's when it becomes super fun. When I started salivary testing, it changed the game for me. That's incredible. I think I want to take this functional dental hygiene service. We would love to have you. (laughs) We would love to have you. Now, let me ask you this. So um, I know you said the employer prior to the office that you're at now was a little bit more involved in airway. Is the office that you're in now also involved? Because I think that sometimes what hygienists struggle with is like they go off on a path of taking more like airway centered um, CE courses, but like the office as a whole doesn't necessarily support it. And then they kind of struggle with like how to integrate it when the doctor maybe isn't necessarily backing them. Yeah. So the great thing, I, have, I work with two doctors to your side. Uh, one is a newer grad and the other one is a, a well-established um, uh, dentist. And uh, the newer grad is a male. The younger, the old, the woman who's been practicing more is a, is a female. Um, and I say this because it's been really cool to look at their differences of energies and how they are, um, call it from gender, but it's probably honestly not even from gender. It's just the differences and their different philosophies, which we see all the time as hygienists and you have to learn their philosophy. The most amazing thing about both of them is they always back me up and they're not, neither of them are airway experts, but both of them are open to it. They've done foundational courses as I've had, and we create a structure where we're referring them out. And it doesn't have to be that they have to go to this specific provider. It's simply of putting it on, you know, out there into, into their world and saying, here's what I would do. If you want to do a at home sleep study, here's the picture of what you take and 
I tab everything on my um, web browser. Mm -hmm. So I will have them take a picture of the website, picture of whatever I'm recommending, or send them an Amazon link so they know where they can purchase X product. Mm -hmm. I always want to make sure they're getting exactly what I'm recommending because I've done the homework on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we we refer to there's a, a local a dentist who does a lot with sleep here as well. So we refer over if we want them to be assessed for maybe a, a device, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Now, what about how do you handle? So, you know, obviously you were practicing hygiene for a little bit, say before learning what you know now about airway. And, you know, I got this when I was, when I went into myofunctional therapy, I was still practicing clinical as well. And, you know, I saw these patients for, I was practicing hygiene in this office for five years before I became a myofunctional therapist. And so I saw them 10 plus times before and never mentioned Malam potty never mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, how tongue scalp, maybe yeah. mentioned tongue scalloping, but not mm-hmm. its relation to airway. So how do you have those conversations with patients where they're like, well, like, why didn't you tell me this before? Yeah. That's a phenomenal question. And I think that is what prevents most hygienists from progressing forward because we're scared. We take it so personally of like, oh no, I didn't know this before. And I missed this. Mm-hmm. The patient doesn't realize that. And the truth is, is that you, we weren't, that's not included in our curriculum. So mm-hmm. an easy way that you can do this is to say to the patient, I just went to this new course. I've just got certified, uh, with this, I, I just got a new certification. And whether that certification is a CE paper or it's, it's, it's still, you've, you now have the continuing education credits for it. So stand on that. And it doesn't mean you have to be an expert and tell them we're not diagnosing. We're simply identifying signs of the disease and then sending them over to somebody who can diagnose. So the risk burden is really, really low because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if that doctor says it's a class one, you know, two, uh, they're, they're mild sleep apnea, they don't need a device. Fine. The patient still, the patient doesn't say, oh my God, I didn't need a device. Now they're like, thank you so much for looking. I'm changing some things. I've got an aura ring. So I'm going to bed earlier. So my sleep is better. And I'm grateful I don't have to wear a device. This is something we're going to monitor. And if I gain weight, I might go into a different classification. So Mm -hmm. thank you. So how you do this is you simply say, and this happens to me all the time because I'm constantly taking CE and the patients (laughs) literally are ready for me to have something new every time. And I will say like, oh, I just recently took this continuing education credit. I'm really excited. I'm learning more about sleep. And I just want to assess you at a higher level. I've learned more. And I'm now bringing that to our patient care. So today when we're doing your oral cancer screening, and sometimes I just say, here's the evidence. Sometimes I don't even go into that. I just say, hey, I've been thinking about this a lot. We've talked about your wear. We've, we, you've got this scalloping on your tongue. I recently took a course. I've learned a lot more on this. I'm not normalizing clenching and grinding anymore because the course information that I'm now learning is clenching and grinding. Any sort of it is some sort of airway disturbance. And that might be something really mild that we can, you know, fix with, uh, without a device, but I need you to go and get and look at this, or here's what I think. And let's um, put your tongue. Can you reach your tongue to the back of number 15 buckle? You can't. Well, that makes sense. Why? If you can't reach your tongue there, you can't feel that there's a bunch of plaque there. And this is where I'm always struggling with you now. Let's look and see if I can refer you out to somebody for myofunctional therapy and see if a tongue tie is needed, release is needed for you. I love it. And I think, you know, I always say this, that I don't think that every dental hygienist has to become a myofunctional therapist, but I think that every dental hygienist has to take some kind of airway CE, myo CE, because it's also impacting your work that you're doing every single day with these patients. I mean, Mm -hmm. we think about periodontal disease and I think back to when I was practicing hygiene and these 
chronic perio patients that would come in that still, they came in routinely for their perio maintenance. They didn't have those high risk factors anymore. They're doing literally everything they should, but they're still bruxing and nobody's asking about sleep and nobody's taking into consideration what this, um, you know, what the forces are doing to the periodontium. Mm -hmm. So we can't ignore airway if we want our patients to be successful in literally any dental treatment plan. Any dental treatment plan. And especially with when we look at soft tissue, like, mm-hmm. and we are supposed to be the expert in soft tissue. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I've worked with patients where they come in and that upper anterior canine to canine is red, red, red. And other hygienists are like, I don't know, I can't, I can't heal it. And I'm looking at them and they're mouth breathing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it's never going to heal if they're constantly sucking up <laughs> the <Yeah. oxygen laughs> through their oral cavity. Like, of course. <laughs> And then you look at their nose and you you look and you say, oh, my gosh, like, how are you breathing? And mm-hmm. the, the craziest thing in my practice is especially recently with vaping, with the, the higher risk things that we're doing with the increased caffeine, the amount of times that I've looked at a patient and said to myself, like, there's got to be something that they're not telling me they're, they're They've got to be using something more than a vape pen. They've got it like this looks like meth mouth. Right. It's the advance of it is usually coupled with that mouth breathing. Mm-hmm. And I have one patient in particular who's always struggled with tooth decay. It's been normalized for him. We've stabilized him, uh, which is fabulous, but it came through mouth. Like I'm like, you need to learn how to breathe through your nose. Yep. You need some nasal hygiene. You need to go and figure out, do you have a deviated septum? He's, you know, a police officer who's working crazy hours. I'm like, when you wake up from your nap, <laughs> Is your mouth dry? <laughs> Do you go to right. sleep? He's like, I don't start. I'm like, I need you to look at this. And then of course, oh, I, I didn't think I snored, but my girlfriend said I did. And then I went and got the sleep study. I'm a four. Like now I'm on a device. You know, I'm using the gel that you told me to use in the mouth before I put the device in. And that's when the burnout reduces and you're excited to go to work because you're changing lives. You're saving lives. We're not meant to be a fluff and buff let's figure out how many like hygiene appointments we can squish in a day. Mm -hmm. If anything, we need more time. We need at least a 90 minute appointment for a new patient. Mm -hmm. And you know what? There's great technologies out there with softwares. And I have seen assisted hygiene work really well, not accelerated hygiene where you're fitting 14 patients in a day and you are reducing the quality of care, but assisted hygiene where you're working with an assistant. And maybe that assistant can help you do an intraoral scan. And then you as a hygienist can make the recommendations. It's a partnership. And I'm really excited to see uh, where the industry goes. I think there's a lot of opportunity for that with Mayo. And I agree, not every hygienist needs to be Mayo certified, but that's the beauty in this. Mm-hmm. There's going to be hygienists who are excited about different things. For me, I love perio. So I'm yep. going to be excited about it. Do I love going in that deep pocket and scaling it? Sometimes, depending on the pocket, depending on the patient, right? <laughs> depending on what I'm using. If I have an air polisher and I'm like in there, yeah. yeah. But if I have dull instruments, heck no. Right. But what I love is taking a patient who thinks that they'll always have tooth decay or always have gum disease and they have it because their patient had it and or their parents had it rather. Mm-hmm. And they're so distraught. They've mm-hmm. lost all of their power they feel like it's inevitable changing their mindset, putting them in control of their risk factors and watching them become empowered and then watching them come in with a smile on their face and then allowing me to now be their long care preventative provider where I have time to talk about the lesion uh, along their hairline that I'm concerned that they need to go and see a dermatologist. I have time to 
hold a patient's hand and cry with them because they lost their dog. Mm -hmm. I have time to actually make a change in that patient's overall health and not just their teeth and gums. And that's when it becomes super fun. And that's honestly why I created Thrive in the App. We as hygienists have the ability to create our destiny of who we work for, when we work for them, when we have the right skills and we know how to let go of that, this is good to great. And I've seen that happen no matter what the member's zip code is. Uh, we even have one member in Nebraska who's now oh, so cool. She's myofunctional. She's working mm-hmm. in a root cause practice. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Such a beautiful thing. So if people want to learn more about this, where can they find out more information? How can they contact you? Yeah. So the best way to contact me if you have questions and you want to kind of chat it out is through Instagram. Send me a voice memo. I'll voice memo you right back. <laughs> and that is uh, at Amber Auger RDH. Uh, if you want to email, it's the same Amber Auger RDH at Gmail. And then I have a very comprehensive website that you can go through and click and learn more about Thrive. We have amazing resources. We have a over 300 page perio workbook teaching you how to implement everything from salivary testing to we also have um, resources, chairside guides that are laminated with quick codes on them, resources of what product works where in the mouth. So uh, really try to be all encompassing to support the integration. Absolutely incredible. And we'll make sure that we link um, your handles, your um, website into the show notes so that you guys have that to reach out to Amber. Amber, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat with me. Um, Is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with before we wrap up? You know, I do. Um, And that is, I want to leave the listeners with, and I might get emotional, of Telling them how proud I am of them of continuing on when one in 12 hygienists left Mm -hmm. and reminding them that, you know, people look at you and the amazing marketing you're doing, the work that you're doing. And Brittany, you are saving lives every day and you're changing the lives of these kids and their parents with your work. And that can be done in any practice, Mm -hmm. any practice. And oftentimes what it takes is the one hygienist who says, you know what? I know that everybody's concerned about putting this in their hour. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to go on. I'm going to start with the airway screenings. I'm going to start doing X, Y, and Z. And let me test it. Let me beta test it in this room. And I'm here to help you with any integration um, for everybody listening, whether that is through Thrive in the Op, whether that's through functional the functional hygiene certification. I'm here to long-term, God willing, to make sure that we level up and that we don't succumb to these models of having 18 patients a day, burning out and reducing the quality of care. We're mm-hmm. here to improve it. And I want to thank you, Brittany, for staying committed to that and uh, being a pioneer in the Mayo space. Well, thank you, Amber. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Everybody go follow Amber, check out her Thrive in the Op, check out the Functional Dental Hygiene Certificate Certification. I'm definitely going to. Here's to saving more lives and changing more lives, one hygienist at a time. Yes. (laughs) Together. (laughs) Together. Yes. Thank you for listening to today's episode of I Spy with My My Y. If you want to hear more about these episodes, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or feel free to contact me at hello at myctom.com. Don't forget to subscribe as well and let us know of any subject or guest speaker you'd like to hear from. Help spread the word by sharing today's episode on your social media page. You can find me on Facebook at CT Oral Facial Myology or Instagram handle CT underscore Oral Facial underscore Myology. Everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you.